Hello and welcome to SDGC After Hours. My name is John and tonight with me I've got Derek. Hey, what's up everybody? And Jeff. Good morning. <laughs> Wait a minute, we're talking about morning. It's 9.30 Eastern yeah, Time Yeah, but when PM. do you think this is like, going to go live? Ooh, good point. Oh. The man who actually schedules the tweets is the man in charge. <laughs> you played me like a fiddle. Touche. chess, my friend. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, uh, you know, as everybody knows, Mortal Shell is now out on uh, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, Derek actually did our first impressions and review for the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was Derek who organized this little SDGC after hours. Uh, Derek, what are we going to be talking about tonight? Yeah, so my thought... Pro this, is, this is a weird... I've had a lot of conflicting feelings playing Mortal Shell, and a recurring thing through my review is this is a game with a lot of highs and a lot of lows. It is very much defined by how badly it wants to be Dark Souls, and I think maybe more helpful even than a review to an extent for most people would be a discussion between somebody who's played the game and a couple people who maybe haven't played the game but are familiar with the Dark Souls franchise and with other games that are in that kind of Souls-like genre. Uh, Dark Souls, Soulsborne games, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck I off, John. very clearly uh, don't know what you're talking and, about. And that way, maybe we can talk about the kind of things. You guys can ask some questions, and I can talk about what I think the game does right, what I think the game does wrong, whether or not I think it would appeal to you in certain aspects. And this can be kind of used as a as a guideline for curious uh you know, curious gamers who aren't sure if Mortal Shell is for them. So, I mean, it's it's one thing to notice. This is this is a budget price title. It's an indie title. It's thirty bucks. This is not a sixty dollar AAA release. Um, you know, so I mean, we 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 do adjust expectations accordingly. Uh, but I think one thing that I pointed out in my review was I didn't know that when I started playing Mortal Shell, and I honestly did not question that the game was sixty dollars. Uh, there's a lot of polish behind it visually, and there's a lot of polish behind, like, like I didn't run into any bugs at any point. Um, it's actually significantly less buggy than the actual Dark Souls games. So, um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I just, I just want this to be kind of like, is Mortal Shell for you? So I guess the way I would want to start this is maybe uh, if starting with Jeff and then going on to John, y'all can talk about your familiarity with, with the Dark Souls games and with other games, what other games kind of inspired by Dark Souls you maybe have played? Jeff, you um, want to kick us off? Yeah, I haven't played a ton of Souls-inspired games, but I've played uh, every Souls game to some degree, with the exception of three. Um, so I played, De not to like be, oh, I liked it before it was popular, but I played <laughs> Demon Souls day one of its Western release because I'd heard a lot of buzz for, for it coming out of Japan. Um, I've never played anything like it, fell completely in love with it. I must have put 100 hours into it, which is, I, I typically don't play games for more than 30 hours, so that was a lot. Uh, it just messed around with different characters, um, but I did beat the game with some friends, uh, had a blast, um, played Dark Souls, and kind of burnt out after On Orlando. Um, so I, I played probably about half, I think that's about halfway through Dark Souls. Uh, so And I... Fuck, because I was playing with my friends and they would like summon me. So I, 
even though I only played that, I still have a hundred hours in Dark Souls because I played that first third of the game like five times <laughs> with different people. That's probably why I burned out on it so bad. Um, and then, yeah, I played uh, five or six hours of Dark Souls 2, wasn't really feeling it. And then I think that's when the burnout really hit me. Had no interest in Dark Souls 3, but uh, Bloodborne came out and kind of awakened something in me. It was different enough. It was a little bit faster. Um, and uh, I, I got really into that. I didn't quite beat it. I think I got I beat, I beat got to like one boss from the end or something like that. And then I burned out on the DLC, which was insanely hard. But I soloed that whole game. I didn't summon once. Because um, I just wanted to like give myself a little bit of a challenge and be like, okay, can I actually, can I actually play this game? Um, but yeah, I, I loved Bloodborne. The thing I find going back to these games now is, like I said, just the, I just, I don't know if it's because I got older. I find them exhausting and I find them, I do find them too difficult. Uh, I mean, Bloodborne, I know those bosses are supposed to be a challenge to overcome, but like there was one boss where I must have fought it over a hundred times. Like we're talking a month of fighting it every single day and it's just, it's too much. So I, I don't have the energy for those anymore. So I guess I would be looking for something either with a slightly lower difficulty ceiling or that has a little bit of something in the game to give me a little a little leg up to, to get past those those sections gotcha. probably my biggest obstacle john what about you so um similar to jeff uh starting off anyway i play demon souls the day of its western release uh <coughs> and similar to jeff <coughs> excuse me um, I had never played anything like it. Um, you know, I probably dropped about 200 hours into that game. Uh, you know, the tower of the tower of Latria is probably one of my favorite favorite gaming moments of uh, of the seventh generation of consoles. Uh, and then Dark Souls came out, and I probably dropped about 300 hours into that game. Uh, and from there, you know, I just I went. That's really when I got on my huge Souls uh, Soulsborne kick. I put hundreds of hours into Dark Souls 2, hundreds of hours into Dark Souls 3, put probably about 500 hours into Bloodborne. Uh, and I also played the, I would I would consider the uh, uh, Sekiro and uh, and the uh, Nio games. Neo, Nio, however you want to pronounce it. I think it's Neo. Um, is it Neo? Okay. Yeah. The, both Neo games. Um, so I, I, you know, and I was even on a panel about uh, Dark Souls games of pack. So, uh, you know, yeah, my, my love for these games is uh, goes very, very deep and it goes back a long time. I love the uh, I love the oppressive atmosphere about the games. Uh, they, it very reminiscent of the Metroid series, if that makes any sense, where it's just kind of like you alone in this hostile environment and everything is trying to kill you. But I also love the souls games for their quiet moments. Uh, one of my favorite souls moments ever, I'll make this quick. I promise is, uh, in the tomb of the giants in dark souls one, uh, there's no light at all. So you, you're kind of fumbling around in the dark and eventually you come to this cliff where you can see this faint orange glow of magma in the background that, that is highlighting these, these uh, you know carvings and buildings carved far away into the stone wall and you find out later that those are the demon ruins but i found an odd kind of peace there and so every time like just looking at that dim orange glow surrounded by the darkness and the silence so every time i play dark souls i'll spend probably like an hour there just sitting out sitting and chilling and taking it all in it's almost meditative in a way i know that's weird but yeah i love these games i don't know i don't think so and then just to give a little background on, on me with the Soul series, I um, 
I have played uh, all three Dark Souls games to hell and back. I played Demon Souls, but never beat it. Uh, I I've played and beat Bloodborne. I, I played and beat Sekiro. Um, I picked up and bounced off of Lords of the Fallen, which was just awful. And you I, poor man. <laughs> I know I started playing the surge, which is not bad. Actually, uh, it's definitely not Dark Souls good, but it's not bad. And and I have Neo. I have the first Neo. I need to get to it when I'm done with the surge. Uh, but I, I quite like the games. Um, I like their their kind of difficulty, their combat. I like being surprised. Like I like not knowing what I'm going to come up against and and and. You know, it's that feeling of finding a secret in a video game, except it happens constantly because it's just something about the way these games are designed to, like, make you feel like you uncovered something. But yeah, so I, I, I like the Dark Souls games and, and other games inspired by them for a lot of different reasons. I think each of them succeeds. I think Bloodborne succeeds at things that maybe Dark Souls fails at and Dark Souls succeeds at things that maybe Bloodborne fails at. So I, I came into Mortal Shell with a pretty open mind. Um, now, did... Either of you really have either of you like read many reviews or looked at much footage or anything about Mortal Shell? Like, how blind are you to this game? The uh, only review that I've read or re- or listened to is yours because it's the only review that matters. <laughs> yeah, until <laughs> until you started covering the game, I had heard of it but I hadn't really seen anything. Um, so I watched uh, a little bit of your first impressions video on Twitch and then. Uh, listened to the uh, a little bit of the review as well. Yeah. Um, so. So I will say, coming into this, um, just based on your all's histories with the franchise, like Jeff, I'm I'm gonna make a hard bet that Mortal Shell would not work out too well for you. Um, <laughs> like it's not that the game is necessarily overbearingly hard for most of the game, but when I say there's a difficulty wall at the beginning, there's a difficulty wall. At the beginning, what's funny is that that a lot of the game might almost be the kind of experience you're looking for out of a game like this. There's not a ton of bosses, actually. Um, and, and for the most part, since you can tackle the three kind of paths in any order, you know, and you go up it, you fight the boss, you come back down it back towards the, mm-hmm. the central key area. The fact that so much more of it is focused on progression through an area than it is on fighting increasingly large and impossible bosses. Like, well, you know, that, like that, that was my problem with the souls game was the bosses. I didn't actually find navigating the levels and enemies overly difficult. So yeah, you know, maybe that, that would work out then. Yeah. So like that, I think makes sense. But then on the other hand, you are, let me just say you are tremendously underpowered. At the beginning of this game, uh, you're you. I honestly don't think you really have the capability to go down any of the three paths until you have found at least one. So the way this works is there's four bodies. They're called shells. They're basically four different characters uh, that you can pick between, and you get one right at the beginning. And there's three more of them hidden throughout the central area in various places. Um, there are four different weapons you start with one a basic sword and then at the entrance to each of the three areas there's an optional boss you can fight that will get you that weapon um but it doesn't really matter what weapon you use because all of them are trash until you've gotten at least one 
it's called a quenching acid, but it's basically the item that you use to upgrade a weapon up to as far as plus five. Uh, so it's not it's not like Dark Souls level of, of complicated where you can go up to like plus 10, plus 15, lightning, like all these different elements. It's just zero to five power up, but you got to get to plus one or you're just not doing enough damage for it to matter worth a shit. And every body other than the body you start with has significantly better health and stamina and other things like you don't spend money to level up your stats or anything like that. Um, it's purely based on the character's body that you're inhabiting. So uh, being that this is that kind of style where it's all about resource management almost until you get to the next safe point, like you just you just can't it's 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 climbing up a waterfall until you get that first weapon upgrade and that that first other body, which could happen very quickly if you're lucky and stumble upon them and could take quite a while. And and I think maybe after you hit that point, Jeff, it, it, it might work out for you. Um, the other thing I want to give warning is there's only if you want to think of, of each safe room in terms of like the bonfires of the game, there's only 10 of those in the entire world. There's oh, fuck that. Yeah, I know you I get you one in the very center of the core, like uh, Felgrim is what they call it. But the, the core central area, which is like this woods that, that then the three other areas branch out from. And then there's one at the entrance to the, each of the three areas. And then once you get into it's, it's, there's a catacombs, there's like a weird, like obsidian city, and then there's uh kind of like a like a like a volcano ruins area. And when you get to the entrance to those, first off, they become very linear. They become built more like a, an area in something like Dark Souls. You get a checkpoint at the beginning, a checkpoint about halfway through, and then a checkpoint at the very end, right right where the boss is. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you know, that's that's another thing is it's a slog to get from one to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you just, again, until you, you get those upgrades, you're I've not a- making it happen. I've actually got a question. Yeah, hit me. So I think one of the things I loved most about Dark Souls, and it's something that two and three didn't do quite as well, uh, with, in my opinion, is the interconnectivity of the world. Um, in in Dark Souls, uh, you know, when you're at the central hub, which is you know the Firelink Shrine, um, eventually you you unlo- you find out that this entire world, uh, with the exception of Anor Londo, is all interconnected. Uh, as you unlock doors and pull levers and activate elevators, you you realize that you can go nearly anywhere directly from the Firelink Shrine. The entire world is connected in a very Metroidvania-esque sort of way that I found very clever and really lent to that sense of Lordran being a a living and breathing place as opposed to just a series of stages in a video game. And it's something that I felt Dark Souls 2 and 3 kind of missed the mark on in comparison. Yeah. Uh, but Bloodborne kind of Bloodborne kind of kind of went back and 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 fixed some of those things. But what 
how like when we talk about stage progression and level progression in mortal shell um as you move from area to area do you get the sense that this is one living breathing world like like can you unlock different ways to get back to that central hub or so, so does me, it feel like yeah go ahead go yeah ahead. let me let me cause I, can, I think i get where you're going so mortal shells central hub area of felgrim um is not huge but it is deeply interconnected. I mean, every path splits off five ways and intersects with every other path in a way that, like, on a, on a very micro scale, Felgrim is a living, breathing, knotted, tangled wood. Um, it is It is, in fact, so interconnected and so, like, branching off in and back on itself that I was until I understood the structure of the game world, the way that it's built, I kept being worried that I was doing that thing where, so in video games, there's always like a right way and a wrong way, right? There's the right way towards the objective and the wrong way that may go towards a harder area you're not ready for yet or an optional thing, but it'll be a dead end and you buckle back. And and I, I kept hitting a thing where the my I'd have three or four different options forward and I'd go, fuck, Right. <laughs> So, and I'd keep going and then there'd be three or four more ways forward from there. And I was like, so I was, I was kind of stressed until I realized like, oh, this is all just tangling and looping back on itself like a fucking mm -hmm. funnel cake, you know, um, in this central area. But here's the thing. There is one specific, it's not a literal door, but like doorway from Felgrim to each of the three next areas. There is one way in and out. And when you get in there, it is not strictly an obstacle course forward. Um, for example, the, uh, the, the weird like metal city that I was talking about <coughs> actually ends up being very wide open at one major point, And you've got to kind of find paths around to hit a couple of switches so that you can open the way up forward. And for example, the, the ruins um, that I was talking about have all these locked doors that you will take a path around and go all this way and then come back on a door and open it up. And it was that locked door from before. So now you've shortcutted your way back so that if you need to retread, you don't have to go the long way around again, for example. But um, those three areas do not have that. Oh, we lost John. There we go. Eddie's Sorry about yeah, that. It's okay. So those three areas do not have that feeling of intricate. I cannot go from the catacombs branch over to the metal city, right? I can only go further in and then back out and then back into Felgrim. So you want to think of it as like I said, literally central area with like three spokes that do not interconnect in any way. And the reason for that, I, I hesitate because it gets spoilery, not in terms of plot, but in terms of mechanics is the way it works is you are intended to fight your way in all the way to the end, fight this boss, take a thing from them, at which point things change, and you have to then fight your way back through all the way back to the tower. Um, mm -hmm. So it, and it's not, it's, it's backtracking, but things do change somewhat. Like you face different enemies, the feel of the, the world changes. Uh, you kind of switch into a different phase for a while until you have dropped that item back off at the central tower. Um, 
So it's it's it in a way it almost feels more like you're you're retrieving. It's like the Indiana Jones, mm. you're retrieving the thing and now you got to get out alive. Um so I I do understand why they would build it that way that you can't get from one spoke to the other. You want to get in and then you want to come back out to the center. Um but if that's a thing that you love about the Souls games, I mean, I don't know. Like I said Felgrim's very much like that. It's a very condensed area that is very much like that. But then the three main uh, like paths that you have to complete do not interconnect in any way. They, again, can sometimes interconnect back on themselves in very interesting ways, but they don't, you can't go from one to the other. You mentioned how many like different paths and twisting and stuff it is. So one thing I'm curious about is um, something the Souls games are really good at is uh, there's a lot of good visual cues. And things like I, even though the levels are connected and really expansive, I always have a good sense of direction. I always feel like I know where I came from and where I need to go. And yeah. I can look and see, is that present here too? Or did you find yourself getting lost? Is it? it... Fuck. <laughs> okay. Felgrim <laughs> is rough early on because Felgrim does have several areas with unique visual like markers like, there will be an area that's a little, like, where a clearing opens up some, and there's several large trees, and there are these giant bat-like creatures hanging down with, with big glowing eyes, and it's very eerie and atmospheric. And you'll remember that area. There's, like, another area where there is um, all of these, like, metal uh, blocks and, like, geometric figures starting to pop up out of the ground, almost like crystals, right outside the area where you're getting into that metal city. Um, and like, that's very memorable. The problem I was running into is that most of Felgrim is very identical feeling like tight ravines and wooded paths that are, are, that open up for a brief, like room like area and then narrow back down again for a path or split off in several of those paths. And so it's very obvious that 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 when you're coming up to a new area, basically, because it's like, oh, okay, the path's narrowing, and pretty soon I'm going to come out to this larger. Well, you know that you're going to go through this very narrow, uh, like ravine-like area for a while, and then it's going to open up into a small, semi-open area, from which there are four or five paths out. Like you start to understand that structure. The problem is, it's hard to map which paths lead to which of these rooms because there's so many paths because there's so many of these little rooms that each link to each other. And because only usually the, I say rooms, I mean, it's open areas in a forest, but you know, these, these in game terms, rooms have the unique markers and the paths do not. So it takes a while to like, I'm pretty good at mapping things out. I don't sit there and stare at my compass or my guide markers when I'm playing like an open world game, but yo, I was fucking lost. Um, <laughs> but then again, when you get into these paths, you know, when you get into like the catacombs and you're moving forward towards that boss, that's much more straightforward. That's that, that design leads you forward very well. Um, Felgrim is a chaotic fucking mess and it's like trying to navigate a labyrinth until you start to get it. So when you transition from area to area, and again, like this is something I felt like uh, the Dark Souls series, especially the first one, 
really nailed is that element of shock and surprise that like holy shit i how did i end up back here wow a really good example of that from dark souls is um when you unlock the path from undead berg to that valley where the you know you know where the hydra is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and and uh and you know you you you're in the valley and you go up to the store and there's this huge knight waiting for you with his giant dragon's tooth weapon and when oh, you kill him and right yeah and and you walk all the way uh havel yeah you walk all the way up the stairs and you unlock the door and you're back in the undead berg right before you fight the taurus demon and it's like holy shit like this was beneath me the entire time like is there anything like that in mortal shell where you're like oh my god i did, was not expecting that no not at all it's, no that's uh, disappointing it's very again because like felgrim loops back on itself a lot but it's none of felgrim is very big right like it's it's a forest it's it's a forest with a lot of of baddies in it but there's and and some defining geographical markers but all of the intense shit is in one of the three again i hesitate to find the right word for what they are let's call it levels maybe um and those are again they're own they only connect to felgrim and at that one specific point they are built in a rough line a line that in a lot of ways loops back on itself and creates its own shortcuts but you know it's you're not going to have anything where you're like holy shit this area you know, it's it's not going to happen, unfortunately. Which, I mean, to be fair, is maybe where the budget title comes in, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean it costs a lot of money to make a world this big. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, the, the scope was probably a little smaller. I get that. I'll also say that being smaller in scope, like, it's a shorter game. And it's paced mm -hmm. pretty well once you get past those first few hours. Once you get into a rhythm of, like, okay, I go down this path and I, I, I make my way through it and I fight boss, and I make my way back and drop thing off at central location and then go to the next, once you start to get that rhythm, like, the game goes and then goes and then it's done, and it doesn't drag on at any point. Um, and that that is good. Like, I think sometimes the Dark Souls games can start to feel like like the the Dave Chappelle, like, get, you know, get on with it button. Right. Um, you know, so... And I say that loving them. And Mortal Shell, Mortal Shell knows when it's time to go. So, do you, and, uh, sorry, no, Jeff. Jeff, no, 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 Jeff. Please, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, um, I just had one more question. Yeah. I thought of it when you were talking about pacing. So, I'm curious <laughs> what to what degree the story is present here because. <laughs> One thing, I was going to ask I, that too. I, I'm assuming it's not very much, just based on the bit of footage I saw. But I like one thing with the Souls games, and this is maybe as much of a me problem as it is uh, a criticism of the games, is that I didn't find any fucking story there. People tell me about the amazing story in Souls, and I know that there's all these little hidden things, and it's very understated. But I'm just focused on not dying. Yeah, and that's a hundred percent my focus. I'm not noticing. The little person over in the background, over in the distance there, the, you know, this person that was over here, now they're over here, and what that means. So, like, is there is there any kind of story here, or is it just a general vibe? So, the Souls games, let me put it this way. The Souls games do have a, have a, a deep story behind oh, them, yeah. right? And it's But part of it is that the game is very cryptic, and you discover the story by getting a, a small amount of information from like dozens of NPCs and a lot of it is built into the world building and built into like item descriptions and item descriptions item is descriptions a big, is a big one, yeah. part of Dark Souls um you know like understanding the story and a big part of it is that it's been like 
Dark Souls, we kind of understand Dark Souls story because the internet has 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 like collectively bashed their heads against Dark Souls for long enough that we figured it out. <laughs> but the thing is, Mortal like ringing out a sponge. Yes, yes. <laughs> but Mortal Shell, it doesn't matter how many monkeys hit how many typewriters. We're not going to figure out what the story of Mortal Shell. I believe fully that Mortal Shell has a story. That something is going on that somebody <laughs> at the developer understands. I will tell you that not a single fucking person playing Mortal Shell is going to understand what the fuck is going on. There, I felt like there were entire cutscenes missing. Um, there, there are only two. Okay, there's 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 a couple, but they're like completely inconsequential. There are two NPCs in the game who speak. And, and relay anything about the world. Um, and neither of them want to tell you shit. One of them is just, is is basically the equivalent of, of like, oh, here's the mysterious rogue lady who you give not souls to and she powers you up. So she just speaks in vagaries and, and bullshit. And then there's a, a very, very large motherfucker uh, chained up in the tower who you can talk to who has the most lovely voice. I mean, it is just like whoever did the voice work and then the engineering behind these this guy's voice is give him a fucking award. But um, all he's trying to do, do is basically be like, ah, oh, yes, you are very foolish. And everybody around here is very foolish. And uh, can you go get the things for me? Because I want them. And I'll like, I'll help you. But you got to you got to let me out. You got to let me out. Like, that's that's the extent of your relationship with him. Uh, there is also a frog that is very happy you can talk to him and understand and care about frogs. I mean, why wouldn't he be? Like, yeah. you know, that's um, you know, and there's a uh... there's a dude with a bag on his head named Baghead who you can give some food and then some hooch and then you can sit down and get wasted with him while the world ends and the credits run. Uh, which is one of my favorite things in all of Mortal Shell. Is his name actually Baghead? It is Baghead, yes. Because he fantastic. is wearing a bag on his head. Feels like a metaphor for the current state of 2020 right it, now. It does. Honest. You just sit back and get wasted <laughs> as the world ends around you. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so... But but the problem is, like, items... There's no item descriptions. There's not a lot of lore. There's a lot of cryptic, like... Like, I don't know if either of y'all listen to metal. But, like, oh, yeah. think of some... Think of, like... I'm not even gonna say metal. Think of like a fucking dragon forest song, okay? Oh okay. yeah, a little now through try the fire to imagine that a dragon forest song is trying to tell you a cohesive story. Yeah, no. I see what you're saying. <laughs> it's not. It it it, <laughs> it hits some weird emotional notes, but it's not telling you shit. And that's what Mortal Shell is. It's like a weird fantasy metal music video, uh, but it makes less sense. I see. Yeah, no, that that. So I, I've actually, <laughs> excuse me. I've got I've got one more question. Yeah, here. this is like this is like kind of like the the sum of all things question for me is as somebody who loves these games but is extremely discerning about their quality. Like for like like Neo one and two, love them. Yeah. Um, the Surge. I played about five minutes of it and I was like, yeah, fuck this. I'm done. Um. Why should I like as somebody who again is extremely critical of these games and it has an extremely discerning, extremely extremely blah, 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 discerning taste when it comes to these games? 
why should I play this when I can just go back and play Dark Souls or Sekiro or Dark Souls yeah. 2 or Dark Souls 3 or Bloodborne? Why why should I why should I play this? Um so I will say that Mortal Shell has some very unique mechanics behind it and some very interesting things it does that like when it tries to not be Dark Souls is I think when it's at its best. Uh, I mentioned this in my review, but for example, instead of guarding, like you don't you don't ever have a shield. So you don't block. Instead, your character turns to stone when you hold the guard button down. And then when you get hit, it, it breaks the guard, but you tank the hit and don't take any damage. And and actually the process of, of you start moving again, but you're still invulnerable for like a second after being hit, maybe. Um, and you can, for example do that you can you can the verb they use is harden and i've made enough jokes in the dms about that but uh you can get hard like you can you can get your sword your great sword ready and charge up the big powerful attack and then harden yourself midway through it and and block so like you get Gotta the get big hard, attack man. yeah you get the big attack ready and then the enemy's going to come in and interrupt you and you're instead going to block midway through it they're going to attack you're going to you're going to eat that attack and and take no damage and then when you uh, when the stone breaks off, you're just going to continue the attack. You are. It's going to continue the frame of that attack. And, okay. So actually, what I find myself doing a lot is it. You you start by being very defensive, like you would in Dark Souls, right? Where you wait for someone to attack and you block it, and then you come in and catch them while they're off guard. Um, and then you get back out and you kind of wait to to do that dance again. And as you get better, you instead learn to preemptively come in. And use and hit them a couple times with maybe a couple quick attacks. Like a, f a favorite thing of mine to do is to come in and hit them with a couple light attacks and then move into the heavy attack with the last of my stamina and then petrify partway through it because I knew that I was giving them a big enough opening for them to counterattack. And they would, but they'd hit me while I was petrified and then they'd bounce off and then I'd catch them. But your stamina can regenerate while you're petrified. So it also kind of buys you some time once you've run out of stamina to build it back up without interrupting your combo, right? So while normally I might have run out okay. of stamina after a light attack, light attack, heavy attack, I did light, light, heavy, paused halfway through, got hit, and then by the time I'd hit them, I had enough stamina to maybe hit them one more time with a light attack and then dodge roll away. So it actually kind of allows you to be unsafe because it becomes kind of your your safety net for when you fuck up being hyper aggressive. Um, and I think that mechanic alone makes it very interesting. Um, there's some other fun shit, too. I mentioned in the review that, like, the only way to recover health reliably is you have to parry and then counterattack in order to heal. But you have other... You can unlock other counterattacks other than the health steal one. It's a great one where you like you place a, a bomb basically on them and then shove them away. And then about three seconds later it explodes and just does a stupid amount of damage. But you can like do that and push them back towards another more powerful enemy that's in the same mob. And then just harden up and let them both come at you and then the one will blow the other up. Like you, there's some fun in the combat mechanics. And it's kind of cool to have like the different bodies that specialize in different things. There's one shell body that doesn't have a lot of health, but has a shitload of stamina. So you can almost play like Bloodborne, where you're just going in, attack, attack, dodge, dodge, attack, attack. Um, there's another guy with not a lot of stamina, but a ton of health. And he gets 
more powerful and deals more damage the more enemies he kills. So you just basically are tanking through everybody until you're one-hitting every enemy with your big mace or whatever you've got equipped on him. Um, I think the weapons are creative. One of the weapons is a hammer and chisel that you use as like a dual-wielding, like weird kind of combat style. Like it's, It is very unique, and it does try to give you a different combat experience than standard Dark Souls. But you got to deal with, with being a Weenie Hut Jr. when you start the game and having to yeah. dig through this area and find out where the where the bodies are hidden and and fight these optional bosses to get the weapons and get your first couple of upgrade items before you really become powerful enough that you can take on the game proper. Um, and I just think that's going to be frustrating for a lot of people who want to get into it to to see the flexibility of the combat. So another thing, another thing is, is just this, you get a second wind mechanic that I've not seen in any other Dark Souls game. If you get killed, basically you get knocked out of your body and you have a few moments to kind of like scramble around and avoid enemies and, and you can still fight and still turn hard. You just have like no health and get back to your body and like climb back in it. And then you're back to full health and you're back to wherever you were. You can only do that once per like safe room basically, but that's an interesting twist on things. Right. Sekiro had something similar though, right? Kind of like, I don't think you could actually like pop right back there where you were. No, you had the option to like return from death for a penalty. Um, for a penalty, that's right. Yeah, yeah, people would get sick. You would spread the spread the yeah. plague. Or the this is a little different. PCs. There's nothing like that. You just you just get a straight up second wind mechanic. And what's interesting okay. is that like if you die as the like thief type character with all the stamina and leave his body behind, and then you choose to venture out as the big heavy knight guy, then you can you can switch it up and crawl back into the the body of the thief that you left behind and change characters. You know, like you can find items that let you change characters on the fly. So like there's there's some fun. There's some fun and some flexibility to it. It's just, man, those first few hours are rough, you know, as you as you settle. And I think that it needed some rebalancing for sure. Um, But, you know, I mean, and I also think it, you know, the fact that it's it's not bite sized necessarily, but it's indie sized. You're not okay, you're not committing with the surge and Neo. You're committing to a long game if you decide to play it. Mortal Shell. I mean, let me look up how long I actually spent in. Mortal well, especially Shell. when you consider games like the Dark Souls games and Bloodborne, which are meant to be replayed at least twice. Yeah. In order to get everything, see everything. And like and get I beat Mortal yeah, Shell, no. and I'm I'm happy with it. Like I don't need to replay it. I'm good. I, I had I had the time that I'm going to have, which is not a. I don't mean that in a bad way by any mean. Okay, so so my play counter on the Epic Game Store was 14 hours, 6 minutes, and 50 seconds. Um, that's pretty so good. So it's not... I mean, for that, sty- for that style of game, that's brisk. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it really doesn't overstay its welcome, and there's something to be said for that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't uh, I don't have any more questions. Jeff, do you got anything else for, uh, for Derek? No, no, I... I might give it a shot on sale because it does sound like it does enough interesting things. Yeah, I think I think price is going to be a big thing for a lot of people. I mean, it, it is with all these Souls-like games, right? Where you know getting in that there's a good chance it may not be for you. So it's hard to justify throwing a lot of money down unless you're like a diehard 
fan of these types of games and you just know that you're going to give it everything you got no matter what. But right. You know, I don't know. I, um, I told y'all at first that I, man, I really hated this game when I started it for review. I remember you saying that, man, I thought it was dog shit. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and, and, and what's weird is once I got past those first couple hours, like, and I kind of started to like it and I started to really see what it was doing. Right. Um, I just, would you say you got good? I, I didn't, I didn't get Ooh. good. I got hard. This is what I did. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I hate everything about that. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Derek, my man, thank you for uh, thank you for that mortal shell breakdown and uh, answering all of our our questions about it. Yeah. Um, it, I, I'm with Jeff. It'll probably be a wait and see for me. Um, there, there, there are just there are other games that I feel more compelled to play right now. Um, I'll probably wait for the price to go down a little bit. Um, you know, but I'm I'm sure it's something that I'll dip my toe into at some point. Uh, yeah. Jeff, do you got anything else uh, real quick? Mm-mm. Cool. No, good, Derek. Yeah, my, I am satisfied. Yeah, my final takeaway take would be that uh, you know, while I think this is a mixed bag, I think this this team has a ton of talent. I think they've got a ton of creativity behind them. Uh, I really, genuinely cannot wait to see what they do next. Because, like John, while I know you weren't a big fan of the surge, like think about the fact that came that that deck thirteen made before the surge was Lords of the Fallen. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and that's the thing. This team that made Mortal Shell, like Mortal Shell's solid in a lot of ways. So I want to see what they make when they maybe get a little more money and they maybe get maybe a little bit stronger of a guiding hand, somebody to tell them no more often, somebody to say like, hey, you've got to make more sense because this story is <laughs> a non-existent, right? Like, like. But yeah, I'm I'm real curious to see what these guys do in the future. I think they got a, a bright future ahead of them if they stick to it. So awesome, excellent. All right, well, uh, all right. I, well, I guess we will uh, we will cut it off there, uh, gentlemen. If nobody has anything else, um, <coughs> excuse me. I've got something stuck in my throat all night and I cannot get it out. It's your tongue. Um, <coughs> I, I know, right? But uh, yeah, it's my sense of existential dread creeping up, <laughs> uh, like, much like acid reflux. But um, don't forget, we always go live Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash official SDGC. So thank you for tuning in to this SDGC After Hours. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, please go follow us on Twitter at official SDGC and uh, give our Twitch channel a follow as well. You can find us on all major podcast services. And uh, everybody be good to each other. Take it easy.